you turn in your scriptures, whether you have a uh, Bible with pages or a Bible with swipes from your iPhone or you have your iPad with you or your tablet, turn to the book of Jacob. Remember we talked about the fact that his name is really Jacob. It's not James. Jacobus in Greek is translated Jacob, not James. And turn with me please to verses 19 to 27. And would you please stand as I read God's Word. And I'm going to be reading it this morning with some embellishment, if you will. So please stand for the reading of God's Word, the book of Jacob, chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, that is, to hear with the ear of their minds, and slow to speak, that is, to talk at random, slow to wrath, a desire to punish. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness and justice of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, the evil habit of the mind, and receive both deliberately and readily with meekness the implanted word like the sowing of a seed which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect, full-grown, and full of age, and mature law of liberty and freedom, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and devout and does not bridle, govern, and check his tongue, but deceives, in other words, is seduced into error by his own heart, this one's religion is useless. It's vain. It's like chasing the wind. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit, to look upon, and have regard for orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep, to maintain oneself unspotted without blemish from the Lord. You may be seated. Is God's Word wonderful or what? So the title of the message this morning is Hearers and Doers. Hearers and Doers. And I'm going to say right up front that I might rattle a couple paradigms or make a couple people a little bit unconscious, uncomfortable. But I want you to know I do it in love. In love for you, in love for our congregation, and in love for the Lord. Because, listen, there's a difference between believers who are hearers, hearers, and those who are doers, doers of the Word. And do you know the difference? Better question, do you know how to tell which group you're in? Well, I once read about a certain Chinese church where when new believers were baptized for the forgiveness of sins, when they came up out of the water, this is what they were told, quote, now Jesus has new eyes and Jesus has new hands and Jesus has new feet. New eyes, new hands, and new feet. You see, when we become believers, 
We become the eyes and the hands and the feet of Yeshua. We become extensions, if you will, of Messiah. We now represent Him. And when people see us, well, they should see Messiah in us. Am I right? Of course I'm right. I'm the rabbi. That's kind of what James is saying here in our text this morning. The last verse, by the way, of the previous section of James reads like this. James 1.18 God brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. In other words, God saved us so we could be first fruits. So that we could be examples to others of what it means to be a believer. Of what it means to be a member of what was originally called the way. Haderech. Because He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. But now the problem here is that it doesn't always work out real well, does it? Believers don't always reflect Yeshua as we would like them to. And one of the main reasons they fall in this area is because they've listened to what I would call some false information. Fake news. Oh, you've heard that term? Fake news. But I'm not talking about fake political news, about politicians in the news media, all of that. No, I'm talking about fake spiritual news. Fake news that often infiltrates the body of Messiah and warps believers in their attitudes. There is fake news called the prosperity gospel. That's one of them. It's a heresy. And it comes from teaching people that fake, teaching people fake things about God and His promises. Not like what Dana spoke about this morning. But that kind of heresy comes from the outside. It comes from the outside. The prosperity teachers flood us with DVDs and books and TV programs and the like, all teaching people how to manipulate God in order to get health, wealth, and whatever else they're looking for. But quite frankly... Most people don't need any help trying to manipulate God. They're quite good at it. They can do it very well all on their own. People have been doing this kind of thing for centuries. And not just in the church. Pagan religions thrive on getting their God to do what they want done if they just manipulate that God enough to suit their own purposes and their own perceived needs. But why do people do that? Why do they tend to make their relationship with God all about themselves? Well, I can think of at least two reasons that that happens. The first is that we're all kind of selfish. We tend to focus on ourselves first. Let me give you this illustration. A few years back, this was in 2006, the Washington Post did a poll that showed that 79% of Americans believe they were above average in appearance. Eighty-six felt they were above average in intelligence. Now, excuse me, but average is 50%, right? 
So some of these folks had a vastly exaggerated view of both their appearance and their intelligence. But here's the deal. When people think like that, it's not hard for them to think that body life and their relationship with God is all about them. Because I'm better than average. I want what I want because I deserve what I want because, after all, I'm better than average in both appearance and intellectual capacity. The second reason, I think, that people think their relationship with God is all about them is because that's how we treat them when they first walk in the door. And that's how we treat them when they're immersed into Messiah. Now, I know this sounds a bit strange, but listen. We bring them, we pamper them, and we try not to upset them. And we tend to feel like it's kind of our fault if they leave. So, they can get very self-centered. Amy Grant, everybody knows Amy Grant. She had a song about it that she sang a couple years ago. I've trimmed it down in size. But it goes like this. I know a man, maybe you know him too. You never can tell, he might even be you. His spiritual tummy can't take too much. One day a week, he gets his spiritual lunch. On Sunday, he puts on his spiritual best and gives his language a spiritual rest. He's just a fat, fat little baby. He wants his bottle, and he don't mean maybe. He's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood, but his daily devotions are stuck in the mud. He knows the books of the Bible in John 3.16, but he's got, and he's got the biggest King James that you've ever seen, but he's just a fat, fat little baby. That's what coddled believers look like. Fat little babies. And do you know what fat little babies do when they don't get what they want and they don't get their way? They cry and fuss. That's right. And they pitch a fit. And that's what happens to believers who don't grow up. They think that congregational life is all about them, and so they manipulate things, and if they can't get their way, they pitch a fit, and many of them leave. And James says, don't do that. Don't go there. Grow up. To be doers of the word and not hearers of the word is deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the the word, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, a doer who acts, he will be blessed. He will be blessed in his doing. In other words, to whom it may apply, quit just sitting there and waiting to be fed. Now, I like having you here. I like you listening to me. I mean, at least I have somebody to talk to. But if all you end up doing is not doing, then you're going to end up being just like Amy Grant's fat little baby. And so the question is this. How can I become a doer? Well, I know this can be complicated, 
So to straighten it out for you, I did a study of the Greek here. And the word doer in Greek, I don't know if I can pronounce it right, it's poetes. And do you know what the word poetes means in the Greek? It means someone who does something. Yeah, it's that simple. You don't have to thank me. It's part of my job. You see, when congregations do their jobs right, that's what people do. They do things because they've been trained from the very beginning to serve. They do in order to serve. In the Sermon on the Mount and the Teaching on the Hill, Yeshua said this, quote, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded, founded upon the rock. Matthew seven twenty four and 25. Dear ones, it's really simple. Once you hear the words of Yeshua, then you do them. You don't wait until you know more. You don't wait until you're a little more mature. You do it then. Here's an illustration, a story that I read as I was putting this together. A young man was baptized into Christ. About a couple of months later, his Sunday school... Actually, I'm going to messianize this. A young man was immersed in the Messiah. A couple of months later, his Shabbat school teacher asked him, What have you done for Messiah since you believed? The boy replied, Oh, I can't do anything. I'm still a learner. Oh, replied the teacher. Well, when you light a candle, do you light it to make the candle more comfortable or for the candle to give light? To give light, the boy replied. The teacher continued. And do you expect it to give light after it's half burned or when you first light it? The boy answered, as soon as I've lit it. Very good, the teacher answered. So go and do the same and begin now at once. Yeshua said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, verse 16. Do it now. Your candle's lit. Do something. So listen to another story. This is told by a pastor from Indiana. I had such a good time reading these stories this week. He, he had in his sermon this. How many of you drove to church today? If you drove to church, you can drive the church bus. I had a friend once who targeted a poor part of town and went to the parks there to talk to the young kids who played there. She'd make friends and ask if they'd like to come to Sunday school with her the next Sunday. Well, you know how kids are. Of course they'd like to come. And so she told him that she'd be by next, the next morning to pick them up after clearing it first with their parents. Having talked her brother into driving the school bus, she showed up that Sunday and the kids weren't ready. They'd kind of forgotten. And the parents had often spent the night before getting drunk or playing games. They were still in bed. So my friend would come inside, feed the kids, wash their faces, and get them on the bus. And she filled that bus every Sunday morning. Now the church must have really loved those kids because, of course, they had to stay for church. 
And they filled the first two rows of the sanctuary. The rows of unwashed kids who probably hadn't had a bath in a few days. They smelled. But they were there every Sunday. And they got used to being in church. And many of them, now adults, are still in church to this day. My friend, the pastor, said, never taught Sunday school. But she got kids to church. So here's a question for you. Can you host an in-home Bible study? You don't have to teach. Just host it. Invite a few folks over. Supply some food. All kinds of people might come over. They'll teach as long as you feed them. And listen, do you think that only elders do anything at the congregation? Do you know what elders are supposed to do? They're supposed to, they're supposed to watch over the flock and help meet their needs. Well, guess what? You could do that too. In fact, many people do that already. If you know someone here who hasn't been here for a couple weeks, well, maybe, just maybe, you can write them a letter telling them you've missed them. Or if you know someone who's been in the hospital or sick, you could go visit them. Or are they homebound? You could call them and chat for a while. Or you might even take them something to eat or just go over so they have some company for a change. And a lot of folks at Son of David Congregation do that stuff anyway. Listen, I want you to understand that I brag about you guys all the time. But the point is this. You don't need a Bible college degree or a fancy title to do stuff for Yeshua. You just have to do what little you can, and that may be just what needs to be done. Here's another amazing illustration. Happened in World War II. Allied bombers returned to their base and told a miraculous story. They'd been hit several times by German anti-aircraft gunners, but none of the shells had exploded. Specialists carefully removed the shells, took them to a safe place to open them and to examine them. And what they found was that the shells didn't have any firing pins in them. Where the firing mechanism should have been was a note written in Czech, apparently by one of the slave workers in a German munitions factory. And this is what the note said. This is all we can do for now. Wish we could do more. They didn't think they were doing enough. But for the crew of that plane, they had done a powerful and impressive thing. They did what little they could, and that made all the difference. That's what Yeshua is asking for. You don't have to do everything, but that one small thing you do for him can make all the difference in someone's life. Now, one last thought. It's not enough to just do stuff. You need to do stuff for him. And that's what James is telling us here, I think. James 1, 23 to 25. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. Now, it's, it's taken me years and years and years to try to figure out ex- exactly what that means. And so I have this silly example that helped me, excuse me, and maybe it'll help you to figure out what James is talking about here. In other words, I wondered, what's this about a hearer, not a doer, looking at himself in a mirror and then walking away? What's that all about? And then this illustration occurred to me. When most of us wake up in the morning, we have a ritual we go through, don't we? My ritual is to go to the toilet. Am I allowed to say that in the sanctuary? (laughs) Take a shower, brush my beard, and then brush my teeth. But every once in a while, my schedule gets interrupted. What I should do is not take my cell phone into the bathroom with me. Someone will call after I get out of the shower, and they'll want to talk for 15 or 20 minutes. Well, Tina's still sleeping, so I'm not going to talk in the bathroom. So I go downstairs to talk. I'll go into the kitchen, maybe. Start making myself some coffee. (coughs) Then I'll remember I want to look something up on the computer. (laughs) Or I'll start making my oatmeal. And then all of a sudden, I smell my breath. I forgot to brush my teeth. Oh, by the way, you don't want to be near me when I haven't brushed my teeth. You see, I looked in the mirror after my shower and brushed my beard, but I walked away from the mirror having forgotten to do the rest of my morning routine. And that's kind of what James is talking about here. Those who only hear the word and don't do it walk away having forgotten to finish the job. They walk away having forgotten to finish the job. They haven't finished making themselves ready. But real doers, real doers, won't give up until they've done what Yeshua wanted done. The real doers look in the mirror and they're not satisfied until they've changed something. Those who only hear the word I hope I don't offend anybody. They're like the folks you see down at Walmart still walking around in their pajamas and slippers. You see, life for the hearer is all about themselves. Here's another illustration. story from another pastor. He writes, In another community I preached in, there was a denominational church that had an impressive children's choir. It was one of those things that it was considered to be an honor to be part of this children's choir. The choir would often go to other churches to put on concerts, and they even went overseas every year or so to do a singing tour. But every once in a while, the church board or the preacher would have a problem with how the group was being run. And then the board members would lose their jobs, And preachers would be fired. And do you know why? 
because the folks who led the choir weren't doing what they did for God. It was all about them and the prestige and the honor and the position. It was their agenda and their glory that was being sought. And may God have mercy on the church leader who didn't bow to their will. That's the difference between a hero who doesn't do for the Lord and a true doer who does. So let me close with a story about another true doer. I'm full of stories this morning. He lived back in the 1800s. And ever since he'd been a boy, he dreamed of being a missionary to Africa. It was his driving passion. Then he met a girl who had the same dream that he had. And guess what? They tied the knot and got married. They were faithful members of their church. And they were constantly sharing the Messiah with other people. And they planned and saved for their ultimate journey to be a missionary, to minister in Africa. But then his wife got very sick. And it was obvious she wasn't going to be strong enough to endure the hardships that encountered a living in a foreign country, especially Africa. And sadly, the young man had to give up his dream. Well, not exactly sure of what he wanted to do, he went to work for his father, a dentist who had a small side business. And as his dad grew older, the young man took over that side business and found that he had a skill at marketing the product in this side business. As the business grew, it struck him that perhaps he could still help on the missionary field. And so he determined to build up the business with an eye toward using the income and profits from the business to financially support overseas missionaries. He worked very hard and eventually built the company into a huge enterprise where the product actually became world famous and was sold in practically every supermarket and grocery store that you can probably imagine. Of course, I haven't told you that this, what the side business was yet, have I? The business he took over from his dad was producing unfermented wine for churches to use in communion. Do you think you might know what the young man's last name was? Welch. Welch. As in Welch's grape juice. Thomas Welch. Over the years, that business supplied support to hundreds of missionaries who accomplished more on the mission field that he could have ever done by himself. Now, like I said before, I'm very proud of this congregation. We don't follow the Pareto principle here. 20% of the people don't do 80% of the work. It's been said that in many congregations, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Not here. I got to tell you, here it's more like 50% of the people that are working and serving. And that's great. It really is. But should we be satisfied with that? Should we be satisfied with only 50% of our congregants doing what the Lord would will of them to do? Of course not. Every believer ought to be doing what they're supposed to do for our Messiah. And so this sermon is all about getting the rest of you out on the pier, and then shoving you off into the water. You don't have to do everything, 
but you need to do something. Just get your feet wet. Go ahead. You won't drown. I promise you. Share your testimony with a neighbor or coworker. Ask what ministries at Son of David Congregation need help. Participate in the work parties that will be coming in 2020 as we both shelve and organize our storeroom and increase the size of the fellowship area by more than double. When someone in the congregation comes to mind, call them up. Don't text. Call them up and ask them how they're doing. Maybe you should be hosting a home group. Maybe you should be hosting a Bible study. Maybe you need to go on a prayer walk around your community. I mean, you never know who you'll meet, and you never know what kind of amazing discussions you might have. Just go ahead and do something for the Lord. Step out of the boat. Get your feet wet. Just make sure that you keep your eyes and focus on Him. Be a blessing and be blessed in return. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let us all say, Amen. Abba Father, thank you for the instructions in the book of Jacob. This Proverbs of the New Covenant Scriptures. Thank you, Lord, for all who serve here at Son of David Congregation. Thank you, Lord, that those who don't serve will serve. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be perfect tens before we do something for you. One's enough. Thank you, Lord, for the Ability to serve, to be part of your kingdom purposes. And thank you most of all, Lord, for your Son, who died, was buried, and was raised again so that we might die to ourselves, be buried in our sins, and be raised to eternal life with our Father in heaven. What an amazing gift. Should we not respond? In all this I pray. In Yeshua's name. Amen.